you only got so much time with those kids. Do you want to spend your time teaching them or punishing them? This is Dig and Swing, a volleyball podcast for everyday coaches. Okay, so we're going to talk about punishments today, which is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It's probably one of my biggest, uh, probably the one thing I wish I could change if I had a, a wand, a volleyball wand of things that happen in our sport that we can change. And this is definitely it. And so today I'm going to be joined, BJ is going to be joining on later. He is apparently, I don't know, what did he say? He was doing a soccer game or something. I don't know. Um, and then I have David Cortez from Ridgecrest, right? Yes. California. Uh, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and say how awesome you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm David. Um, I don't know about awesome. I'm just kind of a small town coach from a small town nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere in the California desert. I love it. And actually, so I showed you the picture, how you were literally number three on my list. Um, on the people that I wanted to talk to when I first started thinking about doing a podcast. And one was that you and I had talked a little bit about Starlings when I was thinking about starting up a Starlings team in Tucson, which is a whole nother episode I'd love to go over. Um, but yeah, I mean, this podcast is supposed to be for the everyday coaches. So you're like the perfect person to talk to because you are in a small town with a small, you know, small town nobody's ever heard of. I think that talking to you is awesome, despite your reluctance. So I'm just going to, you know, strangle your arm to make you talk to me. So I'll do yeah. my best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I guess I'm going to, I'll talk a little bit about why this topic means so much to me. Um, I I grew up in Chicago, Southside Chicago, had a coach that was a, or maybe still is, Chicago cop, basically doing what se sounded like undercover drug busts on the midnight shift, and then coached a bunch of girls. And so you can imagine his character um, when he coached. I learned so much from him about the game, uh, really developed me as a, as a player. But there's definitely the physical, the punishment side that has also impacted me as an individual. And, you know, it was a lot of suicides till you puke. It was push-ups for not having our shirts tucked in. Um, I mean, I used to wear the, oh, I did 500 push-ups of practice with a badge of honor. And I shouldn't have. I, I shouldn't have had that experience um, looking back hindsight. So, uh, what finally set this off was, um, I was coaching, I had a 13 club team. We are, so we're seventh graders, adorable stinking group. We, you know, uh, we did a goals board. We didn't care about winning or lose. We didn't care. We just wanted to get better. And so those girls are doing jump floats and all that by the end of the season, because they were okay with taking risks. And we'll go into that a little bit. But I remember it was the last tournament of the year is the region championships. And we're playing against a team that is that we had gone back and forth with most of the season, like lost to them. And then we beat them and lost to them, beat them. And we were just so annoyed with them. We just wanted to beat them. And so I remember we were up pretty, pretty good on them. And the girls were so excited because we we're like, oh, we just want to knock these guys out of the tournament. And the other coach calls a timeout and makes his kids run suicides. And it honestly broke my heart and I turned behind the bench where 
it was their team because I think we had switched sides. So it was mostly their parents. And I kind of said out loud so they would hear me. And I'm like, that is just awful. I feel so bad for those kids. That's embarrassing. Like, who does that? I mean, I, oh, I, oh my gosh, like my heart breaks for them. And it, it was after that that I think that my realization of, you know, I already knew punishments were bad, but that seeing it in that way with 13 year old girls, oh my gosh, like they were crying. They were so upset. And I, I don't know. So I think that's, that's kind of why I wanted to do a whole thing on punishments. And so how do we define punishment? Because there's like punishment and consequences. I really don't, I see them as consequences of your actions and then punishments for those actions, I guess. Do you have like a way of explaining what punishments are to you? Um, I look at it as consequences are the natural action that occurs in response to something you do. Love it. And stuff. Punishment is a penalty inflicted on someone outside or extra to the consequences of whatever they did. And stuff. And it's, you know, it's not good catch-all descriptions because, you know, there's certain levels. I mean, you know, it comes to certain things, you know, life in our society and stuff like that. You know, when it comes to people breaking the law, breaking the rules of our society, I'm, I'm a punishment guy. Yeah. You know, burn yeah. them to the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And stuff. When it comes to dealing with kids and sports and stuff like that, I'm, you know, I used to be one of those guys. I took a timeout in the middle of a match, made my kids run lines for 30 seconds because I didn't like the attitude they were playing without on the court. And wow, did I not like their attitude before the punishment? Afterwards, it was like, holy crap, did it get bad? <laughs> weird, weird how we think it works, but it doesn't always, yeah, and and most just, of the time. And the only thing the parents said when we were done after the game, the da one dad walked over and looked at me and goes, well, that didn't work out the way you thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because <laughs> I mean, the parents could see, wow, that was really a dumb thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It never really has the outcome that you you wish it would. So, and if it does, it's for a split second, and then it's kind of regression to the mean. So, I, I don't see much of it at tournaments anymore. Every now and then, it'll pop up. You'll see it somewhere. I I told a story on VCT. I was at a tournament several years ago. It was a 14s tournament, and early on in the ga game, we aced the other team, and everybody on the other side of the court did a sprawl. <laughs> And their coach is this young guy, and he's standing with this horrified look on his face because his whole team's down on their bellies on the floor after the ball's gone. And they get back up. A few plays later, it happens again. They all sprawl again. And he's, like, Whoa. making hand motions, like, get up, get up, get up. What are you doing? Because everybody in the place is laughing at him. Yeah. Like, my girls are giggling and snickering, and the, the parents are giggling and snickering and stuff. Wow. And, you know, about the third time it, it they hit the floor, and he's like, "Oh, for God's sake, please stop diving! Just get up!" And, play the game. <laughs> and oh. afterwards, he's like, "That was so embarrassing. I don't know why they're doing that. Why they're doing that?" And I said, "Well, obviously, they're playing the same way they were trained to practice." Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like, I where did they get I that? I can tell you know that's probably where they learned it, right? You you probably have an attitude. If the ball hits the floor, that nobody played it, everybody sprawls. Right. And if you do it all the damn time of practice, guess what? It's sooner or later is going to show up in one of your games. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's kind of like, it's basically like Pavlov's dog, you know, where mm -hmm. you're just conditioning them to believe that that's what you're supposed to be doing. 
thinking about how much kids do running and push-ups and stuff, and it's like you're not getting any better at this thing that you are being told to run push push-ups or run or do push-ups for. So I don't know how it's going to improve your serve or your pass by running suicides. So. Yeah, I tell my coaches all the time, I said, we have such a limited amount of time with these kids every day, mm -hmm. every week. You know, in a good week, we get four hours. Yeah. The whole week and stuff. I said, do you want to waste that time punishing them? Or would you rather spend that time teaching them, helping them grow, helping them play, helping them improve? And stuff. I said, don't waste your time on this kind of stuff. Because number one, it's usually doesn't work the way you think it's working. Mm -hmm. you know, yep. You know, now, if all you want from them is obedience, yeah, you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, is that saying? The beatings will continue until morale approves or something? Approves yeah, <laughs> if, all, if all you're looking for is obedience to what you say, punishments will get you there really fast. Yeah. But I want kids who can learn how to be volleyball players and teammates and, you know, better human beings. And I don't think I can punish them into that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to make you run until you are a better person. <laughs> Why do I, I, this is the, this is the magic question that I don't really know what that answer is, but why do coaches do this? Why do coaches resort to punishment? I wish I, I don't know if I've ever asked somebody, maybe that's what I should do next time I see it and go, what did you think was going to happen? Like, what is the reasoning behind it? I have a few things I think, but what do you think? Um, I don't know if it's they resort to it or stuff. I'm always real careful with this question because I've had people ask it before and my answer pissed off a lot of people. <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I'm so excited. I, I, I posted on VCT several years ago and got a lot of really angry people at my answer. And I said, you know, to me, punishing for performance or lack of effort or attitude is just lazy or ignorant coaching. It's just... I mean, coaching without punishment's hard. It takes your, you've got to be on point, paying attention, where everything is coming out of your mouth every second you're around these kids. Because, you know, if something need, would, under normal circumstances, need to be punished and you're not going to, you have to comment on it. You have to remark it. You have to get that forefront in their head, realizing, oh, I made a, I made a, a mistake that shouldn't be happening. And I have to fix that correct that, you know, and call them out on stuff like that, you know, we're, you know, punishment, you know, coaching with punishments is just, here's the rules, here's the punishment breaking, all you have to do is enforce the rules. It's easy. You know, yep. you, you don't, you don't have to think, you don't have to be paying attention. Oh, you let the ball hit the floor, run. Yeah. You know, you served into the net, three pushups, you know, and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's easy. It's very transactional. It's very, you know, just do this or else. And, right. uh, and it's just to me, it's 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 a lot harder to do if you don't have that. Punish. If you take those punishments out of your toolbox, what's left in your toolbox you have to work with. And that's it's tough. It's challenging. I stink and love that. And you pissed people off with that, which yeah. a is sad. Cause and mostly because a lot of people. But you just called me lazy or ignorant. Well, um, well, the shoe fits. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just speaking truth over here. Oh, yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, I mean, then, yes, I am calling you that. If you really think that is, prove me wrong, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. Uh, I wrote it down. I love that it's 
it's harder to be a coach without that in your pocket. I absolutely love that. That is so true. I think like I put down that um, it makes it look like I know what I'm doing. Um, there's like a perception to it. Like, uh, you know, for example, if, a, you know, if I'm a coach at a club and, you know, the director walks by and then sees that, you know, so Susie is passing over the net every time or serving in the net and I see the coach making him go run lines right away, I'm going to go, okay, he's on top of it. He knows what's going on. Um, I would hope that not all directors are like that, but I know they're out there. They're all out there. Um, so I think there's like a perception of like you have it handled and there's also a, a parent component to it where they look at it and go, Oh, so they're, yeah. What's her face, you know, screwed up and served into the net and look at that coach taking care of it and making sure that they, you know, they get punishment for that and work on their skill. Watch on te television, you know, movies, the coaches you see there, they're, they're always very hard, stern, punishing coaches. You know, and stuff, and that's what people have been taught. That's what coaches are supposed to think and stuff. And I'm going, yeah, but the coach you're modeling after there has a script written for him, and his players are following the same script. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So you see it work because that's what script tells them. It's this is going to work. Yeah. And stuff. And I, I was like you. I started out as a punishing coach. I, I've gone back sometimes and thought I should try to track down those eight girls I first started coaching 18 years ago and apologize to them all. <laughs> I have actually wanted to do that too. I am so sorry. And one of them's my daughter. I oh. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you had such a lousy coach your first three years oh. as a player. <laughs> <laughs> because I just, you know, it took I was about five years into coaching before I dramatically changed everything I started doing. It literally changed started overnight and you know start changing and one of the first things i changed was my attitude on punishments it wasn't and the first it was one of the first things i changed what made you change that i was lost i was struggling i just you know I, i've asked coach before have you ever had a seminal moment happen to you as a coach one thing that happens that changes you forever as a coach and me it was a sunday afternoon football game because i was struggling i was fighting along, trying to, you know, I mean, I had books and books and books. I was a drill hog, I, a library. I had three bi ring binders full of drills, sorted by serving, by skill, everything I wanted to do, all these different drills stuck around. I spent hours and hours and hours trying to figure out what kind of system we're going to, how am I teaching these, how do I teach them to play offense and defense, what, and with all of it, do we run a, you know, a 4-2, do we run a 6-2, do we run a 5-1, do we run a 6-6? Six, six? I'm dealing with middle school kids. You know, fifth, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and stuff. And I'm spending all this time doing this. And I was sitting there one Sunday, and I had all these books in my lap, and I'm planning out practices for that week, and still struggling. But uh, these, it's just not working. I don't have anybody that can set. You know, I got one girl that can set, and I know I don't really like a five-one, so I'm trying to figure out how to run a six-two. Who else to set? And I had the football game in the background, and they brought Don Shulon, and he would retire from the NFL, winning his coach in the NFL, and interviewing him. So I stopped to listen to the interview. I've been a long, lifelong Dolphins fan and stuff, Shula fan. And they're asking him, they said, well, and announcer goes, well, who's the real Don Shula? And he looked at her kind of funny and thought, what do you mean? She goes, well, throughout your career, she said, she said in the 70s, it was you were a running coach. You had all these big running backs, you know, four yards in a cloud of dirt, stuff around the ball up and down the field. Get into the 80s, and it was all about defense. You guys had a defense that nobody could match, nobody could score against and stuff. And then Dan Marino comes around, and you guys do nothing but throw the football. You rewrite the passing records in the NFL. 
And so he said, what are you? Are you a running coach, a passing coach, a defensive coach? And Shula looked at him and said, I don't coach systems. I coach football players. Hmm. And I like that. That, that to me was the seminal moment because it's like, I'm spending all this time figuring out systems. And I picked up all the books, threw them in the trash can, I made a list. Here's the nine girls who are on my team. What does each one of those girls need to learn this week? And it was nine different things. Yeah. And that was my first step to change it and stuff. And, you know, quickly after that, the first thing was, you know, stop coaching systems, start coaching my players. And the second thing I came across, I ran into, I, I met John Kessel at the same week I started hearing about train ugly mm -hmm. concept. And Kessel's talking about different stuff and the train ugly concept. And this whole idea of learning from your mistakes, you make mistakes, you learn from them, you grow from them. And I tried to reconcile that with, okay, if I'm telling kids, you have to make mistakes, you have to push yourself, learn from those mistakes, but I'm going to punish you every time you make that mistake. Like, how does that work? I want mm -hmm. you to push yourself to become a better jump server, but I'm going to punish you every time you blow that jump server. Yeah. And it's just, okay, well, the easiest way to fix that was let's just get rid of the punishments and just work on the jump serves and stuff. And that kind of led me to getting rid of the punishments and stuff. And, you know, it, it made things more complicated because the first thing I did, I looked at my list of team rules and my, my entire list of team rules was all about, if you do this, this is your punishment. Right. Yep. <laughs> okay, let's get rid of all that. It's like, if you do this, and I, I, I will my list of team rules down to a few core principles that we try to follow, you know, you'll be here for each other, make the team more important than yourself. BJ, one BJ uses all the time is be reasonable. Yeah, I love it. I, I yeah. honestly have adopted that too. It's way easier that way. <laughs> yeah, and it just and get, get rid of the punishments. And it, it took a long time to get parents and kids used to the idea that, you know, they get these kids, they'll do something wrong and they stop and look at me and they're like, what are you looking at me for? Yeah, <laughs> right. They're, wait, they're waiting to be told what I have to do now because I hit the ball out of bounds. Yep. Well, you could go chase the ball down and bring it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could go bring it. Which, since the fact that we're playing out in the park these days and practicing in the park, that's almost becoming a punishment. Like, you no, know, you hit it all the way over there. Now you go get it. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So it used to be like when you would do, uh, par uh, you know, if you were peppering with your partner, whoever hit it, I, you hit it like an idiot. I'm not, I'm, you go get it. I'm not go yeah. going to grab it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I actually had just got recently gotten to um, an argument with uh, somebody in a different group. Um, my token answer, I was talking about this with Alexis uh, Labadou last weekend, and I told him that my token answer when people say, when I ask a question, like, what do I need to do? Like, my kids do this, you know, um, and re people reply and go, make them run, make them do this. And I just respond, No period. That's it. Like, that's, that's my usual response. And then they're like, well, what do you mean? Why would you do that? You know, like they're not going to, and I got into a, a little uh, argument with this guy where he was basically said like, well, clearly you're not a coach. And I'm like, okay, I, yeah, I'm definitely not a coach because I don't punish kids. I don't make them run. And he goes, well, you're, you know, he goes, well, what do you do then? And so I said, well, I celebrate their process. I celebrate them making an attempt and, being uncomfortable, you know, and 
I teach a girl how to jump float and I tell her in the game that she has to do it now in a game and she looks over me all freaked out, does it, gets an ace. You, you're damn right. I'm going to celebrate that. You know, like I'm, those are the things that I do. Um, I, you know, I, I encourage them to learn from that process. I ask them, what did they see? What do you think happened? Why do you think this happened? Because I'd rather have kids that have some critical thinking skills and volleyball IQ than robots that are just told you have to stand here. And if you don't get the ball up, then you did something wrong because you're in the, you're supposed to be getting the ball from right here. And, uh, he goes, well, clearly you weren't successful and or something like that and i was like yeah okay like yeah sure you know we, we do pretty well we beat 16s teams my little my middle little middle schoolers were beating 16s teams um so you know yeah i guess i'm not very successful uh so yeah i and it's just i i found it this guy and i know it's probably more of the exception rather than the rule but this guy basically saying that because i don't punish kids i'm not a coach and i'm not successful and i'm like it's really sad if that's how you define your success and you define, you know, you have to do punishments in order to make your kids successful and win games. I mean, then are you teaching them the game or are you teaching them to run? I don't know. This is not a track meet, so. Well, I collected, it's, it's a few years old. I collected a list. I went through about two years of uh, VCT comments one time and put together a list of euphemisms that coach uses to use to explain or to reword or weasel word punishments and you get things like it's it's not a punishment it's holding an athlete accountable mm -hmm. or a delayed defensive move um it's a reminder not to let the ball hit the floor it's training to go for the ball uh it's just a stay on task reminder you know it's a motivator and a reminder of what the expectations are you know, it's a kick in the butt to do things the right way. It's a physical consequence. Um, it's a quicker, more effective, and will produce better results to institute a physical consequence. It's an accepted tool. It's a productive discipline, a positive discipline. Uh, it's just getting their attention. It's a means of maintaining focus. Uh, it's just consequences. Um, it's about having your head right or just about part of our daily routine. Uh, it's teaching girls that they need to die for every ball. It's a mental check. It's setting a mindset. It's a toughness situation. It's a reminder or it's conditioning. Hmm. And it's, and I'm going, but you can do all those things without punishment. Boom. You can teach all those things without punishment. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love the and sneaky of those of yeah, like legitimizing it's, it yeah and it's you know it's what they know it's what they've done and you know some of the justifications i got a list is oh uh, if we're not going to hustle during drills we'll hustle outside of them <sighs> i'm manufacturing pressure situations <laughs> punishment has worked for decades to motivate athletes oh uh consequences keep the stragglers with the herd I only punish for lack of effort, punish only when they lack hustle, uh, fear of consequences motivates change. Oh, and uh, the girls want more discipline and want was in like capital letters. <laughs> oh my gosh. These are all terrible. And, and that was all stuff that came out of VCT in like a year. 
coaches, we have to be better. <laughs> I, I've actually had kids say, like, I need you to yell at me. I need you to make me do, make me run. And I'm like, why can't you just do the sport and do the skill without needing external motivators? Like, what is it inside that is not getting you to do the skill? And it's really, it ends up being fear. Like, it ends up being mm-hmm. fear of mistakes and um, them in historically not being an environment that allows them to make mistakes uh, in a safe environment. Uh, BJ wanted to know, he's like, what are the sneaky forms of punishment? And those are the sneaky ways of Justify. making it okay, justifying it. Yeah, like <laughs> making it okay. And if your drill isn't creating a sense of com- competitiveness or isn't conditioning or isn't doing all these things that you think punishments are going to make it do, then there's something wrong with the drill or there's something wrong with what you're coaching or, you know, it never ends up being a reflection back on the coaches. It always ends up, you know, or what you're doing. It always ends up being, well, the kids aren't doing something and they're not getting what they need to get out of it. Yeah. Going back to you know, where I changed, got into the non-coach, the non-punishment stuff, just, like I said, trying to reconcile making mistakes with punishing for the mistakes. I found a quote. It's in a, um, I think it's, I think it's in Michael Gervais, uh, mastery podcast. One of his early guests was Tom Osborne, the former head coach, University of Nebraska. And he had a coach in there that says, uh, transformational leadership is investing in the human spirit, becoming what is possible for a person. Focus on uh, serving others, caring, responsibility, accepting that you are responsible for yourself, listening and leading by example. We are here to serve the players, not to treat them like pawns on a chessboard to be used to achieve our own goals. It all comes down to doing something you believe is important. Don't be afraid to coach differently than you were coached. Some coaches are afraid to let go of a coaching style that is transactional, based on reward and punishment, top-down, militaristic, focused on humiliation and punishment. You can treat players with respect and humility. You can care for them, listen to them, and it doesn't take away from your ability to win. In most cases, it enhances that ability. I love that. I love that. I'm going to, I wrote that down because I'm going to find that. So, so I got a question. All, all, all those kids that you've coached, those young kids and stuff through the years, mm-hmm. how many of those kids showed up wanting to fail? I don't think any of them want to fail, you know? Yeah. Um, they all want to be rock stars at, at the sport, um, but they're definitely not afraid of it. So it's like, yeah, of course, like kids show up to yeah. practice and I'm like, I really hope I suck today. And I hope that my coach makes me run push-ups or run and do push-ups. You know, but none of them want to fail. You know, I think every one of those kids has a natural desire to succeed. But a lot of the times dealing with just our society, the situations they're in, you know, we get punished for so many different things, so many different times and places that that desire to succeed gets suppressed. And, you know, know, they, they land up more with a desire to appease or please the person in charge right or follow the directions where i looked at it, said, okay you you sure show you're you're here because you want to play you want to learn you want to be part of this let's build on that try to build that into a strong sense of intrinsic motivation get that internal desire to succeed to become really important to you so mm-hmm. that controls how hard you push yourself where you're going what you're doing 
that all comes from that desire. And when you start punishing kids who was out there literally trying their best, doing the best they can, and you punish them for failure, you're, you're squashing that desire. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Hi, BJ. It sounded like you were burying a body back there. By the I way. was, yeah. I, I um, had to bury the body in the back of the bunker. Hello, David. Hello. I mean, it is Wisconsin. Right. So. Right. You got to dig the holes now before the ground freezes. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to piggyback oh. off of David's point, because he's actually the person that I was kind of aware of this punishment thing, but he really solidified it for me several years ago, um, which I uh, still am very appreciative of. Uh, you know, if a kid was in a classroom learning their multiplication tables, you know, if, if we consider our gyms to be a place where people are learning um, and you apply, you know, what a teacher might do in the classroom, what's what's four times four? Uh, 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 oh, well, give me 16 push-ups. Maybe you'll remember next time. I mean, it's, uh, it's absurd. So why would we do it in our, in our gymnasium where we want to be learning as well? So we were talking about why do we resort to, to punishments and what would you say was ignorant and easy ignorant or ignorant or lazy coaching? Yes. Ignorant or lazy coaching. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, it's the easy way out. <clears throat> we do it because we can't think of something else. And, and it's, it would be so simple just to say, I'm not going to do any punishments. It's a lot more than that because you're building an environment where the player feels safe, where they can experiment, where they can go for it without consequence of, of, uh, you know, having to do these crazy physical punishments. And, you know, David summed up the intrinsic motivation before, which is that is the critical piece of it. And, and on top of that, if you are, if you're stealing that opportunity from them to motivate themselves, I, I don't, I don't think it's our job as coaches to provide that motivation. It, it shouldn't be, um, that's the that to me is is the big thing um, in this in this whole discussion, I guess, of punishments. Well, you know, you'd you'd asked at one time about consequences versus punishments and stuff. And place I most of my parents run into that. The, the parents run into it the, ver, the very first time they run into it is my policy on missing practices and stuff. And I explain, you know, there's only two kinds of practices that we have. You know, because they start, well, is there excused absences, unexcused absences? I said, there's, there's, there's no difference. I said, there's two kinds of practices. The ones your kid is here for and the ones your kid isn't and stuff. And they're both, the same, you know, they, they have the same consequence. You know, if your kid isn't there, the consequences, the natural consequences of them not being there is that they don't get to practice that day. And so she misses the opportunity to get better that day. You know, she misses the opportunity to try something new or different or fun that we do that day at practice. She's going to have to work harder to catch up with her teammates when she returns. And finally, that missing player has to accept the possibility that every time that team practices without her, they are learning how to play without her. And short term, that may not mean much. Long term, that may mean you suddenly find yourself not starting on the team anymore because guess what? We've learned to play pretty good without you here. 
that's and stuff. So we're gonna. Yeah, that's what he, see what he's getting to, and I, I'm just I'm still so thankful for learning this from him. Um, what he's getting to here is he's building the environment of the gym. You're you're building this culture that is so very much different, where the focus is on playing and learning, and it stinks to lose, and it should also stink to miss practice. So if you want to go to practice. If you make that place so fun, which I know, I know David's gym is, you know, based on what his kids are, are, are doing and how they're showing up, um, then they want to be there and they want to be there on time. They don't want to miss the first thing that happens. They, they don't want to miss the end and, and they just enjoy being there. If you make it like that, why do you need the punishments? Especially some, sometimes if you have ice cream before practice starts. <laughs> Instead of after, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're gonna be sorry you missed the first ten minutes. Today. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, but the the one last consequence then it takes a long time for him to learn this is is that you know the truly biggest consequence for missing practice is the price your team pays because now suddenly the team is forced to modify how they practice since you are not here. You know, every, every you know, I play, I set up alignments and such that, that we, we run rotations and, and lineups such that everybody on the team plays. So if you're not here, someone else on the team now has to fill in your spot in the rotation, has to fill in what, what you're doing here. They, the team can't properly practice their offense, their defense, competitive play, practice is disrupted and stuff because one of the missing players, teammates, has to fill in for her. And now that girl can't pr- practice her primary role on the team. Because she's filling in for someone else, she's doing something something else that needs to be done, and stuff. Every player that misses a practice diminishes the team, and it will not be able to practice as well or completely until they're all there. And that, to me, is the biggest consequence of missing practice: is it hurts your team. Yeah. I had a sixteens team come into practice a couple of years ago, and they start they started a game of queen on the court. Once they got about eight girls there, they had two person teams running through. Play Queen of the Court. They got time for practice to start, and I'm looking at the court, going, "I have not seen these kids go this hard, this fast, this determined in weeks." And I walked over, sat down on the stool next to the bench, and sat there, and I watched them play for 45 minutes. And they finally stopped when the one, the the one high rev motor I had on the team, the girl that just never stopped, ball hits the floor. She stands her hands on her knees and looked at me and goes. Can we take a break? <laughs> I said, "What are you finally ready to start practice?" Oh, that's awesome. Time. <laughs> yeah. And oh, that's I great. had to throw the entire practice plan out the window because we're 45 minutes in, and now I have 10 girls out here that are so exhausted and tired that the stuff I wanted to work on isn't going to do any good. And we had to, you know, find some things we could slow the pace down a little bit, give them a time to catch their breath, get themselves recovered a bit, and then last 20 minutes was back to can you guys go as hard as you did at the beginning and stuff grab yourself teams and let them go again and it was literally just basically a queen on the court day of practice with a little bit of slower stuff tossed into the middle of it (laughs) but and they're like you let us play for 45 minutes it's like you were getting more out of that than anything i could have taught you from the sidelines yeah and stuff and you know if you're willing to if you're coming on your own and starting out that hard and that fast Man, I'll let it go. I'll, I'll let you play. That's. I think that's the sort of flexibility that 
um, you know, Sarah's podcast is really for not necessarily new coaches, but for youth coaches. And, and that is the sort of flexibility that um, a much, you know, a pretty experienced coach has. Maybe somebody that's older that isn't quite so urgent about, you know, winning. I, I don't need to win this conference championship or the state championship. But if you take the wider view, you know, like obviously Dave has, you take the wider view of they're actually getting better by doing this. And they're enjoying themselves. So so maybe we're improving more than what my fancy practice plan was going to take care of. I wouldn't do it every day necessarily, but on a day like that where they're inspired to play, they get so much more out of that in so many ways, um, you know, him allowing them to do that. So what are you doing to avoid rely, relying on punishments um, in the gym to get the same outcome that people that do punishments think they're going to get? I, I use one main punishment in almost everything we do in the gym. And that's, uh, I set up most of the drills, most of the games, most of the stuff we're working on is set up so that there is three groups involved in that drill. One on the focus side of the court net, one on the, the support side of the net. If we're working on defense, then the support side is hitting at the defenders. You know, if we're working on offense, the support side is digging off the, 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 the hitter side of the net. And then there's the third group that are waiting for their chance to get on the court and play. And so everything you do is, you know, you win, you stay on the court. You lose that rally, you're off. That's your punishment. You have to leave the court now, and this group gets to come on in your place. You don't want to stand on the court and sideline and watch? Don't lose. <laughs> yep. Play hard enough. Do what you're supposed to. And the losing sometimes is you did not complete a pass, set, attack combination. You're off the court. Next group on. Let's go. And constant speed on and off the court. And, you know, technically it's a pun. I'm punishing you because you, you didn't do the process we wanted. I wanted to see a good serve receive with a set with your hands and an attack from one of these three people over the net. You don't do that. You're off the court. Next group on, yep. you know, and you may be only off the court seven seconds, but you yeah, know, if you get tired of running on and off. You're tired of running on and off the court. Then be the team on the other side that stays on all the time. Right. <laughs> and it, it becomes a challenge. We were ending a practice one day and we had, you know, four groups playing kind of a queen in the court type thing. And I had one, one pairing over there that was just kicking everybody's butts. They'd won five, six rallies in a row. And so I took the other groups and instead of, you know, three, three groups of two out there, all of a sudden I made two groups of three. So now it's just these two girls taking on three teams and those two are switching with the other three teams and stuff. And they won three or four more rallies. I said, great, okay, all six of you get out there and play against them until somebody can beat them because we're not going home till they lose a rally. I love it. And, you know, practice is over. It ended a minute ago, but I'm not letting you leave till you beat those two girls. And five, six rallies later, somebody finally tipped the ball to a deep corner they couldn't get to. But it took them like five rallies to think, you know, the two of them can't cover the old court. Stop just swinging away and, you know, t tap a ball into a deep corner somewhere. <laughs> right. But, you know, and those two, you know, they're exhausted. They're flaying on the floor, gasping for breath, grinning from ear to ear because they literally held off the entire rest of the team for three minutes. <laughs> well, it's kind of like what we were saying earlier about how um, the reason why coaches do it. And one of them was uh, you're listing out all the different, um, 
what did you say they were? The euphemisms of punishments. And it was, well, I'm trying to make them uh, competitive. And it's like, that is a great drill idea to instill competitiveness without having to punish people. And I think that uh, removal from play, uh, whether it's a queen of the court style or if it's a, you're the off team, if you make a mistake, is probably one of the best ways to learn not to um, not to do that skill or make make it a better decision or you know work harder or whatever those euphemisms that that people come up with it, it's telling you like not playing is a good um, good motivator that's for sure it's a great reset <laughs> I like that it's a good reset BJ I like that well you were that's that's your terminology you need the reset well here's the reset you lost you're out and and uh, if you have lines of only one rather than a line of six or seven. You know, when a, when a, when a coach is standing out on the court bonking balls over, there's always a, a line of six or seven or eight people. But in the way David described how he has his practice running, there's a line of one. So you know you're the next team on. And, and that's the, the magic of playing speedball or, or something like, you know, something similar because you you know you're going back on and, and they're just chomping at the bit. I mean, I was motivated listening to him talk about that. I was motivated to go and have that practice. So it's it's motivating even to the coaches. BJ, what are um what are some of the sneaky forms of punishment you've seen or have heard of? <clears throat> I like that question. Yeah, it, we're going to make you stay 5 minutes after practice because you couldn't finish this drill. Well, that's a that's a punishment. Or, you know, you, you have to, uh, because you couldn't complete this drill in the amount of time, you're not going to get to play this game. I mean, there's a punishment too. So, so there are some, we just have to really, if we're going to, if we're going to go into this punishment thing, like I'm sure I'm way far on one side. I think David's there too. We're just avoiding every possible punishment there is uh, because it's anti, you know, anti-productive. You got to kind of look at okay, if I if I, the way I look at it, and I again, I think I got this from David was if I'm the coach dictating something that's going to happen. Is that thing a punishment or not? Almost anything that I'm going to dictate because of if this happened, now you have to do this. Almost all of that is a punishment. You can see from all of this, Sarah, as, as you start talking about this, you can see that the whole gym environment, the whole culture changes when you take the punishments out. It's, it, the focus becomes winning and losing or accomplishing or not accomplishing the goal. And it gets the focus off of the punishment, which which I, I think is very valuable because it's, it's um, <laughs> you know, it, it just builds the, the motivation. It sets the, it sets the focus on the thing that you want to accomplish rather than, you know, whatever these, whatever this crazy punishment is going to be. And you, you also, um, you, you, you set yourself up for that, that's the important thing is winning this point or, or winning this rally or, or winning this drill. 
that's that's the main focus of what you're doing. That's incredible to me. Big change in my coaching. I was gonna say one thing we were discussing before you you got online. It's got to me real early when I first started getting into the train ugly thought processes and stuff like that. Those things was trying to reconcile the idea of we want you to learn from your mistakes. We want you pushing yourself, making these mistakes, learning from growing from them. How do you reconcile that with, I want you to make mistakes and want you to learn from them, but I'm going to punish you every time you make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's, that's the hardest thing for people to get over is when the mistakes are happening, what do we do? Well, I asked, um, I asked a couple of the kids that are studying education in our, on our current team. And they said, well, if, if the kid was messing up in the classroom, I would give them more attention. I would look at different way to teach them. And I said, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't you, you would, you would figure out ways to help them, you know, different ways of approaching it, different ways of learning. How can I, learn this thing that I want to learn. We would not simply resort to you're going to go and run a mile or, or do, you know, run laps or something stupid like that. Yeah. And my main thing instead of the punishments for mistakes is, you know, find, find the right things they did, the process you're looking for and focus your attention on that. Stop focusing on the bad things, focus on things you're doing right. I get some of the strangest looks from newer players that aren't used to me. I got a couple new girls that joined our 17s team. And the one gal is struggling really hard with, she goes up practice, pounds a ball into the top tape of the net. She plays middle. Pounds into the top tape of the net, lands. And I looked at her, I said, that was great footwork, good position. You got your shoulders through just like I would do. I love that. She's just staring at me like, but I hit it into the net. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Everything you did up to the point of contact was perfect. Yep. <laughs> Do that again. Go do that again. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sort of thrilled you got to have David on here. Just, I've been telling him for years that he is one of those high level coaches. Like, I could see him walking into a high performance gym and taking over the, you know, a, a college team that's like a conglomerate all star college team that's going to play in the Pan Am games. I mean, I, he has that. Damn, look at you. He has that sort of, in my mind, he has that sort of presence in the gym and with his culture. And uh, he's he's coaching kids out in the middle of the desert, whoever will walk into his gym. You know, it's it's the kind of coach that you want to have in your, in your um, youth organization. So that's, for me, it's, it's been fun just to have this. I can't wait to go back and hear the first part of this conversation. Well, awesome. Thanks for uh, doing this with me. Um, despite your protests, I'm glad you did it. And you are always welcome to come back and you should come back because you are the sort of coach I want to have. And I'm telling you, it's not that painful. It really isn't. I only make fun of people a couple of times. So I guess I, I'd, I'd sign off saying that the, the, the kind of the comment I started the whole thing with when I deal with punishments. Mm -hmm. You only got so much time with those kids. You want to spend your time teaching them or punishing them. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, we got to end it that way. That was beautiful. That's how you're going to start it, too. You're going to cut that out and put it at the beginning. Well, thanks, guys, for joining. Thanks so much. Nice talking with you.